0: We're doing this already.
1: We're doing it. Um, I want to know what you guys are doing for Valentine's Day. Mm. I don't know. That feels like an awkward question. <laughs> yeah.
0: What are not going to tell you?
1: You don't want It's the sexiest day
0: of the year. <laughs> I was going to ask you. <laughs> I wasn't out, going I there.
2: I was saying it's... it's more awkward because I don't have
1: Aaron, major plans. That's disgusting. <laughs> 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 Ew. You're a creep. Cooties. I asked that question. <laughs>
0: That's so weird and awkward. What am I telling you?
1: I wanted to find out where you're going to be. I could maybe <laughs> meet you there. <laughs> oh God. Uh, that man. was a
0: terrible question.
1: Oh, well, <laughs> I was trying to get the ball rolling, but you guys Appreciate are it. not romantics. Do you not write love songs out of principle? Um, no, I have no principles. No principles <laughs>
2: whatsoever. <In> general. <laughs> curious, Truth <Church> podcast. No <laughs> principles. <laughs>
0: welcome to curious church podcast we're so glad that you've joined us again to all our adoring fans we would like to say matt
2: thank you for adoring us <laughs> aaron what would you like to say to our fans
1: uh thanks for i don't know thanks for still listening yeah no, i want really. like on a serious note i mean that's we don't i mean we Kind of would do this anyway, right? Maybe a little bit, yeah. um, but to have other people listen and get feedback that they enjoy it—I mean, that's cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's special.
1: I would like to say you're welcome, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: the best is yet to come. You welcome. So get hyped. Get I think
2: I think that's pumped. <laughs> I think probably the best that is still yet to come.
0: Yeah, we're still finding our way a little bit. We got the jitters out first. Season. I wonder if
1: we're really getting better, though. Do you think we might be getting worse? Uh, sometimes I think we've gotten worse. <laughs> I think
0: our climax was the Christmas uh, special. Oh, really? C- very curious Christmas. I thought it was like
1: episode two. <laughs> we, peaked, we peaked in
0: episode two,
2: and it's been a slow decline yeah. since then. Could be. But sometimes, you know, it's fun to see a thing crash and burn. So <laughs> <Yeah>. People keep <laughs> coming back for it's more. It's like you can't.
1: Not watch, you can't, you can't not listen because it just it gets progressively worse each week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think our wisdom is finite at some point, it's just going to be all the guests doing all the heavy lifting yeah. and just have smart people, and we'll out. just be uh ranting,
2: uh, we'll just set, beef we'll set people beef. up with one word go, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, take a snooze in the corner. So, yeah, if you've joined us, if this
0: is your first time, if this is your you know, 10th time, whatever, welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us. Our fan base, just so you know, has not grown. We've
1: plateaued. That's, yeah, pretty so cool. so this tell is somebody. A, like, if you like it enough, maybe tell somebody.
0: Yeah, you know, spread the spread the word, yeah. spread the news. Yeah, you know, maybe send a little message to someone. Hey, mm. check this out. Yeah. Check out this blog that
2: I love. Check out these cool guys. Mm. We're not really a blog. Do you know? Oh, did I say do, blog? Do you know what we're doing here? <laughs>
1: he's typing everything he says (laughs) we don't realize the same as a side transcript of the curious church podcast
2: (laughs) did i say blog that blog has thousands of readers but the podcast is very small still it's an audio log it's an a Log. -log. we should actually we should video ourselves well and have a video version of this
1: maybe not I don't think the people are demanding that. Do you know? Uh, I had a suggestion that we do a live one. Oh, I, I suggested that. <laughs> no, it was somebody's. That was better. Me. No, that was that me. was you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of our fans
0: oh. have requested that of us.
1: <laughs> no,
0: I don't. Okay, but if we do video it or we do something live, I mean, Matt, you won't be able to wear your clown suit. <laughs> Yeah, Sam, Sam you'll have to be
2: dressed. Cool. <laughs> it's about a two-hour two-hour thing for me to put on this makeup <laughs> to get ready to record this <laughs> podcast. So. But it really helps me kind of enter the mental space I need
1: to be. All right, boys, let's get going. Should All we do a right. segment? Yeah, let's do a segment. Let's okay. do one. I like chicken and turkey with cheddar. I like a tofu burger, but bacon is better. So what's your beef? Okay. Really hot beef. Okay, I have a beef. Uh, my beef is a little bit of a, like, it's a broad scope beef, but I am, I, and there are conspiracy theories about this, I think, but I don't think that any new home anywhere in the world, especially somewhere sunny, should not be built without solar um, roofs. So you're saying they should be built. <laughs> <Because laughs> There's lots not of negatives in there. Could, you, not could not you track it? Be <laughs> I could not. Be I not lost built. it. <laughs> Every house should be built with solar. Don't you think? Integrated. It should be just part the of the roof. house. The roof tiles should be solar. Well, I don't, yeah, oh, I don't even care. Yeah, that's a new thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, thankfully, our friend Elon Musk is on this, isn't That's he? right. Yeah. That's what he's doing. He's making the tiles that <sighs> I are... I like smart people. Yeah. Get it done, Elon. Let's get let's, all that solar energy that's just making our house hot in the summer. Uh-huh. Maybe let's turn that around. Use it to let's make things cold. Do somehow. you have solar? No. Oh. But you wish you had solar. Yeah.
2: So, your beef is that more houses don't have solar?
1: I have these uh, little string lights in our backyard that are solar, and they have a little solar panel on them. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Yeah, they just don't turn have to up. plug in anything. And when you saw
0: yeah. that, you thought, how can we upgrade this? Yeah, how can we make up- this scale study.
1: this make all the lights? How can we scale yeah, this? this up? I was the first one to have that idea. <laughs> you had this idea, what? Like six months ago? Oh, okay. And why am I the first one to think of it? This is the first I've heard of it. Yeah. So, anyway, (laughs) solar solar. panels. More solar, less not solar. That's my beef. All right. right. Okay. Well, that's fair.
2: But Uh, only in sunny places, you're saying, or just everyone should, and then it'd be a massive waste of money in
1: overcast places. Well, I can tell you from experience that those little string lights that I have, even on an overcast day, they light up.
2: Oh, mm hmm. Did you Doesn't bring like a much. cost breakdown here for us to consider?
1: Ooh, I'll bring in my <laughs> electric bill.
2: There you go. There <laughs> okay. You. Okay, okay, I have a beef. What is it? Uh, I
0: My favorite social media platform app is Instagram. Mm. I don't know if you're on it, but I am. And here's my beef. My beef is not with Instagram. My beef is with people on Instagram. Specifically... If you do these two, three things. Oh. If you do these three things, Sam loves lists. Yeah. If
1: you <laughs> do, guy. if you
0: do these three things, very likely I will unfollow you.
2: Okay, tell me what they are. But so the I can great get thing I list. like about Instagram,
0: like you don't know if I've unfollowed you.
1: Mm. Really? Wow. You just peel away, and they keep pushing <laughs> forward. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Here, here's
0: number one. If you
2: post selfies you're cut off that's it now it's you're saying it's probably allowed to be a picture of yourself because i've seen you do this but it has to be taken by someone else (laughs) is that what (laughs) you're saying i feel like there are pictures of you (laughs) on your instagram selfies (laughs) are an integral part of the social media experience let me let me
0: refine that okay if you post too many pictures of just you all by yourself there is a good chance i will unfollow you Hmm. okay i thought no matter how good looking you are I will most likely unfollow you.
2: I thought you were making a distinction between the selfie, like the photo that you take of yourself, like in the bathroom, versus like someone else has taken a picture of you that you're posting. Oh, well. But maybe you're not making that distinction. Just photos of you.
0: Photos don't do too of much you. Of it. <laughs> but you're not really do. It's not like you're building a fence or, you know, it's just
2: like,
1: <laughs> give me those fence building <laughs> selfies. I gotta <laughs> okay, see that. Okay, there's a fence. special
2: <laughs> exemption for fence building <laughs> selfies. That is fine. So, okay. What if there's somebody else in the picture? That's different. That's not a selfie. Okay. So that's kind of like, hey, I'm with my friend. What if you are painting the fence?
0: (laughs) (laughs) With a friend? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's the thing. I I may like you. I may think that you're good looking, attractive, handsome, whatever. But if I see too many pictures of you all by yourself in the bathroom or against a wall you know, pursing your lips. I mean, doing whatever. Bathroom
1: selfies are weird. Like the bathroom mirror ones where you see the phone. So
2: I I will most likely unfollow
0: you. That's number one. If you take, is this number two? This is number. Oh, sorry. Number two. If you take too many pictures of what you're eating, you will most likely, I will unfollow you.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So, because I've unfollowed people who their whole Instagram account is basically pictures of food. Like, I made this.
2: Okay.
1: I
0: ate this. And this from I ordered this. a food lover. I mean, you I like food. food, but yeah. it's just like, yeah. I'm following you because I kind of want to see your life. Yeah. Not, just not, not, not what only are food. Okay. Not,
2: yeah, you could take the random picture. A couple of pictures of food.
0: Okay. 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 And the third thing is if you never appear in your Instagram account.
1: Oh. So, it's oh. like, it's only your kids. Oh. Like, your whole Instagram is like your kids. So, like it, my wife's no she's in it she does show up she shows up Mm -hmm. she's on the edge it'll be a (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: family if you're listening aaron's wife i just want to let you
1: know you're on the edge i've turned the corner on that though because it is a way for it because there are people who follow who aren't nearby and they just want to see kids like sometimes family members and stuff yeah you know no one just wants to see kids though yeah, I don't. I don't want to just see kids. Yeah. I'm not on social media very much, but it has. It does. I get that. So if, so if I'm, that, like that one, instance, that one's actually
2: the opposite of number one, right? You recognize that there's a two balance. Rules are in conflict, there's a balance, like. right? Yeah,
0: yeah. There's a balance. It's okay. saying, oh yeah, yeah.
2: You really have to be an expert at Instagram to get Sam to not unfollow you. You have to balance these things just <laughs> straight down the middle. So, for instance, if I'm following Aaron, yeah, I would like to see Aaron every once in a while in his
0: photos. Not just his kids. Like if I wanted to follow his kids, that'd be great. They don't have Instagram accounts, but so it makes no sense, right? It's like right. I'm following Aaron, but I'm never
2: seeing Aaron.
1: But not too much of me. But not too much. <laughs> but
2: not. <laughs> now, what if
1: Aaron never posts? Hypothetically speaking, uh,
2: you kind of get unfollowed. You as get well. unfollowed. Too. Well, that that can't
1: possibly be the case, can a it, fork fork. guys? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you're you're on the edge too. Just you, for not
0: because I don't do anything. Well, you post just enough to kind of keep me interested,
1: huh? Well, I don't.
2: That's interesting.
1: I don't really care (laughs) if anyone follows me. Anyways, that's my social media beef with Instagram. I'm gonna take a picture of a selfie of me, twenty selfies of me, (laughs) and a plate of food with my kids running in the background. Please don't. You it should be
2: just your shoulder so that Sam <laughs> can't see your face. <laughs> just your shoulder? Yeah. And the spaghetti you made for dinner. <laughs> and and, your and kids the kids. In the back, okay, Matt. that's perfect. My beef. So um, this really is very peculiar maybe to myself, but maybe you'll be able to relate. And my beef is styrofoam. And particularly the sound that styrofoam makes when it scrapes against itself. That to me is my, that is my nails on a chalkboard, and I don't understand like the science of packing and protecting things in large boxes. But it seems to me like we should have better alternatives in this day and age than styrofoam, which seems to just, by all accounts, be horrible for the environment. Mm-hmm. Makes awful noises, feels really kind of awful to touch. I just don't understand why we're still using it. Probably because it's cheap. It's cheap but let's invest. Let's invest in like a. Not styrofoam, like a gentle foam or something like that. Yeah, in a factory powered by solar. Yeah, sure. I think okay. And there's no Instagram, or uh, there's very limited appropriate use. I'm glad some of us in this room care about stewardship of God's earth.
0: So, what, you you know? Know, what is styrofoam rubbing up against itself?
2: <clears throat> like, okay, so you, like you open a box and there's styrofoam, but then. You're like going to lift out the piece of styrofoam, but there's uh, another piece of styrofoam beneath it. So as you mm-hmm. lift it out, it kind of squeaks against it. Uh, it's really awful. Did you have a, did this happen recently? This has happened all through my life. This, I mean, especially as a kid, I think there's a lot of toy. Like I rem- the worst offender was this remote control car that I think my aunt gave me that was just packaged completely in styrofoam. So the car was in styrofoam and then the controller was in another styrofoam compartment. So it was just, I literally played with that things far less often than I would have merely because it was packaged in styrofoam. Because I couldn't handle it. Like it was painful (laughs) to get it out. (laughs) Listen, I didn't claim this was a world changing beef, okay? (laughs) But that's my beef.
1: I'm no speechless. Mm. Stunned no beef. We can't criticize beefs. We no. can't fix beefs.
0: We don't fix my beef. No matter I how quirky they may beef. be. Yeah.
2: I think we could probably fix your beef, Sam. But everyone, <laughs> Fans, yeah, everyone don't this.
0: fix our beefs. Don't write on our Facebook page
2: yeah. no, about no, ways say to say that. fix our beefs. We shouldn't say that because actually I got some good shower tips <laughs> from my, my beef in episode one. <laughs> so that was helpful. I haven't enacted any of
1: them, but I appreciated the thought. So I think our policy should be bring us your beefs. Bring us your tired, bring us your weary, bring us your beefs. <laughs> We're yeah.
0: We're going to be talking a little bit about the creative process today, uh, having a group conversation about the creative process, specifically around maybe worship songs, writing worship songs, what makes a good worship song. And part of it is we have Aaron, who's part of this podcast, and he is our worship leader here at Granite Springs Church. And... He writes some worship songs, which we sing on a regular basis around here. Yeah. So, but it's not exclusively focused on Aaron today. I hope not. Oh, you're a poet, Sam. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah there's some yeah. overlap. In I'm terms terms poet, of artist. Well, let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> creative process. So, yeah. Aaron, let's start with you. So your main thing is you've been writing these worship songs for a little bit. I don't know how long you've been writing them for, but maybe talk about like, what's that like for you? So how do you, how does a song come into being? Mm -hmm. How does a song get created?
1: Uh, Yeah, I can't speak for everyone's experience, obviously, but I do, for me, it's a combination of, I've kind of learned to um, balance all these things, but it's a combination of inspiration and playfulness, and mystery, and work. Mm. Um, Those are kind of my four. Do you have to feel those? Like, do you feel those things? Like, which one leads? Um, I think playfulness might lead. Um, So I think a lot of songs start out as... um, And I think there are a lot of songwriters who have this process. um, Just start out as just jamming, just sitting at a piano, or grabbing Mm -hmm. a guitar, and just kind of seeing... Just being playful, like see what happens when you mess around. Mm. And then from those ideas can come um, bigger bigger ideas and bigger themes, and then suddenly you have it connect to something that you want to say. Um, I think that might be kind of the inspiration part. Um, and then there's I think there's mystery too before it's, it's finished in that sometimes things come together and you don't know why, and you didn't expect them to work, and they do. Um, and then it has this like powerful emotional, emotional power that you didn't expect or didn't see coming. Mm. Um, and I think if you like, so I use some musical training to kind of develop that, but how it happens, I don't know, you know, so that's kind of, Mm. kind of awesome. And then work, i I say work because, uh, you can have things come at you, but also you have to go and pursue things too. So you do have to have a time where you're not playing, you're not being inspired, um, inspirations may be always there, but you have to sit down and think okay how does how does this phrase work with yeah. what i 've gotten how does this and what should I do here and how do i should this rhyme should this not rhyme um, is this is this true to the scripture um, for example okay. so hmm.
0: I know for me like i 've done written some poems i 've done some lino cut artworks so i 've been kind of involved in creative activities and processes kind of throughout my life, and I know for me it really starts with discipline, Mm -hmm. which is the discipline of what, when I used to have a studio, it was the discipline of being in the studio. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, just get in that place Mm -hmm. where you might be inspired. It's the discipline of sitting down and being like, I'm going to spend an hour writing poems. Mm -hmm. And sometimes after that hour, everything I've wrote written is junk.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but sometimes I get really surprised because I'm sitting at a coffee shop, I've dedicated an hour or two hours to poetry, and I'll come up with a line or a couple lines or even sometimes, rarely, an entire poem, and I often think, now what would have happened if I didn't dedicate this hour?
1: Right, if you didn't find that little piece that you hung on yeah. to. Yeah, if I
0: didn't have the discipline... Of being in the studio, you know, sitting at the computer, staring at a blank page, staring at a blank piece of paper, that image, that that line, that poem may have never come into being. Mm -hmm. And I think about sometimes how many lost Mm
2: -hmm.
0: poems Mm -hmm. or images have just never come into being because I was simply undisciplined. (laughs) I wasn't
1: in the space, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you probably have. Well, yeah. you have, you know, you, you have, I have an app on my phone and it's just a little recording app, and yeah. an idea like a, will pop in my head and I'll get that down. And there's one time I had an old phone and it wasn't backed up to the cloud or whatever. And I had, um, and when I got my new phone, all that stuff was lost. Oh, man. And it was kind of, it was like partly heartbreaking and partly kind of liberating to have I mean, kind of a yeah. fresh start, you yeah, know? Yeah. But at the same time, I did have that thought like, what? What didn't I, what was in there that probably 99% of it Mm. was junk, but where was the one that could have been something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I like about this is kind of the way that all your pieces
2: there, you know, you talked about inspiration and work and mystery and all these things kind of play together. So I'm not necessarily a poet and I'm not a songwriter, but, you know, I enjoy writing and I've preached and sermons are in some sense their own art form. And what I always find interesting for me is my favorite part of my sermons is always the last maybe three minutes. And I actually manuscript all of my sermons. So I pay a lot of attention to kind of words and the way I'm going to say them. And it's almost like there's a rhythm of work after you've kind of written a couple thousand words that suddenly kind of opens up that space for inspiration and kind of the mystery of it to strike. And suddenly there's a phrase or um, a way to say something that would have made sense also to say at the beginning, but kind of hasn't come into being and fits really beautifully there at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but, but only because I spent sort of 2000 words entering the rhythm of this particular sermon can then sort of that moment flow at the end. So yeah. they yeah. work together really beautifully as
1: well. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I liked your, I, I liked your um, thoughts, Sam, about, uh, just, just getting in a space to create, and then just kind of doing it. And I had, I had professors um, in college who um, applied that to writing. And I think this can be for any creative process, though. Mm. If you can just kind of keep the, he talked, he described it as keeping the engine warm. Like you always yeah. have to kind of keep it running, keep it moving. And you might not go anywhere that day, but if you are keeping the engine warm, uh, you're going to be on track for when you're ready to go. So
0: yeah, back when I had a an artist studio. Back when I was working at Dort College, I had some art space. And sometimes it was important just to get into the studio. And even if you weren't creating, you were just like sweeping the floor. Like Mm -hmm. you're just kind of in that creative space, Mm -hmm. rearranging papers, organizing, cleaning up the floor. And sometimes even just kind of warming up the engine that way. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I'd have an idea. And then before I knew it, I was sitting down at a table, I was sketching something out. Yeah. So there is something about. Simply discipline.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this, uh, a lot of this ties to our last episode when we were talking about beauty and kind of seeking like our drive to seek beauty. Um, and I think that's what creative people want to do uh, is even though you're not maybe, you're not getting there every time, but you, your drive, what you really want to do uh, is pursue, is create something beautiful. In and that, in that way, seek you're seeking beauty and you're sharing beauty with other people. So. Mm.
0: Maybe we can talk a little bit about Aaron, you know, why worship songs? So, obviously, you're a worship leader, but when did that f- idea first come to you that I want to write a worship song or I have written one? Maybe it just came to you suddenly. And when did you know that, like, this is kind of decent? Yeah. This may, this may, be, <laughs> this
1: may uh, even ooh. be good. I don't think you ever think your own stuff is good, especially early on, but it does take people with objective, uh, who are objective. Uh, to tell you that it 's good, which reminds me of my first, so I grew up in the church, and music was church music was really how I was first exposed to music like pretty intensely, you know, I was in band and, and all that kind of stuff, but every week to be singing songs and thinking about harmony and melody, um, so anyway, my first yeah kind of my first song was a song that I did like maybe in high school, early high mm-hmm. school at our church, tiny little church, um, and it was awful. <laughs> what was it called? <laughs> um it's maybe called you love me like i am or something it was a really generic um sort of Written half piano half guitar, understanding drums. of of grace that i has as an eighth oh. grader or whatever it was on a guitar that i had acquired by uh giving drum, uh, drum lessons in high school i gave drum lessons uh-huh. to kids so this kid had an old guitar and i was just like Okay, I'm going to trade you a couple of lessons because I want that old guitar. So, so that's what I did. And I wrote this awful <laughs> did he, song. Did on he it. agree to this deal or did you just give a couple of drum lessons and then take the guitar? Uh, that's a little hazy. It was a, a long nice. time ago. Maybe that's how it went. No, but, um, and then my, then I kind of put words to it. I don't think it rhymed at all. Uh, yeah. And I think it was just based on the first two chords that I learned on a guitar, like E and A, or G and C. It was like E minor, but then if you move oh, two oh. frets down, you get an A two. Those sound kind of sweet next to each other, and they're so easy to play when uh-huh. you don't know how to play guitar. So anyway, that was that was uh, that was awful. My parents really encouraged me. I think we sang it in our church one time. Oh, really? Wow! It, huge deal. it was a huge deal. It was not singable. It was not easy <laughs> to learn. But I had a really grace graceful <laughs> congregation. So, so that's an object like the not objective audience. Like if you're getting feedback from them, it's all positive and they're nurturing. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of had the had the bug in college. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote. um, I I tried to write music also, but it wasn't until maybe right after college or my early uh, non-college years that I thought, well, it makes uh, like I need to create this. I need to create music, uh, and it just seems really. It just makes a lot of sense for this uh, cycle to continue where God gives us this gift of music, and I could, we can turn it around and use it to, to glorify Him or in worship.
2: Back up just a little bit. You said, I need to create this music. Yeah. Why? Is that, is that like a practical, logistical, you needed songs to sing? Is that sort of an internal, like, I actually have sort of a driving
1: desire to Yeah, I, yeah, that's what it is exactly. Uh, like I need to like it's it, I just need to be sitting at a piano. I just need to um find something new. I need to find new music. Hmm. And uh while I was doing that in college when it wasn't necessarily kind of uh music for the church. It just it felt a little empty like I could huh. I was you know these lyrics were decent. You could talk about, you know, all songs are about love basically ever every song I've ever written. And I'm like there's there's something There's something kind of deeper, like there's a deeper reason this music should be created. So that's kind of where I went. I think all creative people maybe feel that way, is that to use a double negative, you
0: cannot not create, right? If you're a creative person, it's like the desire that it's just part of who you are. And it doesn't always have to come out in a particular medium. Right. It's like you just have this desire to create Mm -hmm. and it's gonna come out in writing. It's gonna come out in how you decorate your house. It's gonna come out in songwriting. It just comes out. In cooking. Yeah, in cooking. So, And it's kind of like, I don't know if all people have the same amount of drive to create, but I think in some sense, we all, made in the image of God, are creative on some level.
2: Right. Yeah. I think that's right. In fact, that was going to be one of my questions, is how do we think about this? And we've used words like inspiration, which, you know, if we put kind of the theologian's hat on, that has all kinds of sort of spiritual undertones and underpinnings i think laying on it but and especially when we're talking about worship music there's an interesting maybe layering there of uh yeah you're in the image of god you need to create but also a sense of when you're creating something for the church uh, i kind of expect that the spirit's kind of maybe even almost extra interested Mm -hmm. in some sense like um not that it's necessarily like, now you have a guarantee that it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. um, But when you're sort of partnering in that way, because kind of everything we do is in some sense partnering with God, I think, uh, particularly when we're creating beautiful things.
0: Aaron, what, in your opinion, because you've written quite a few worship songs, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of worship songs, what makes for a good worship song, in your opinion? Because I know there's lots of different opinions about that uh, out
1: there. Yeah, and lots of types, lots of different types of songs, yeah. too, right? Um, I think it's kind of sad, but there's, there's a movement um, in popular, I think, Christian music or worship music to have a song sound like as good as it can when it's sung by the person who wrote it or is doing a professional recording of it. Uh, and I think that congregational music should be like, uh, maybe this might be at the top of the list. Should be accessible, easy to sing or singable. Like not even easy. Like people can learn. Like in learn. The key.
0: Like first of all, sing yeah, vocally. Yep,
1: exactly. So that's actually one of the first things I think about. Is I'll I'll have a song and I'll I'll have it kind of written. I'll make sure that, like it's not going too low or too high. But then you think, okay, this this is the key. I'm singing it in, but where's the average congregation, and there are obviously kind of guidelines for this, but what key do I put this in where it's able to be led by competent musicians as well, because you don't put things in, in crazy keys, uh, and, and singable by the congregation. So, those are two things I look for
0: right away. Because I know that, I mean, Matt, you could speak to this too, that we've sung a number of your, of your songs in our worship services, mm-hmm. and they are singable. Like, you can pick them up the second time through. Is that, is that hard work? <laughs> to, to, I mean, is there a lot of like restructuring and a lot of playing with phrases and syllables to kind of get that rhythm?
2: Yeah. And I wonder too, if you can just speak to, um, I mean, one of the reasons sometimes they're sort of singable directly after a service when you've heard a song for the first time is the way you've actually laid it out. Like how many times we're going to sing the chorus? Like, how many times we work through this verse, do we repeat it? Can you talk as well to some of
1: that about making it accessible? Yeah. There are also some guidelines, I think, that I've learned kind of over the years that make melodies really singable. Um, one little secret is to put things in pentatonic scales. So, for musicians out there, you kind of know what that means. But that's a like a song like Amazing Grace is written in a pentatonic scale. So, there are only five... Notes in the okay. whole melody, so those melodies are really natural to the human, to the western music uh, our our ears, so things like that make songs easy to sing uh, phrases i I have had songs where I've been doing a lot of my songwriting based on the psalms, and we can talk about that in a minute, but there I have felt in the past this in like pressure to get every word in, and I think I've learned also that. Um, songs need to breathe and make you have to make sure that especially choruses have space in them to get your, kind of tell the story and get your point across, but without being too verbose because that's, that makes things hard to sing. so uh, there are what you want to have I often have chorus that will repeat uh, between verses. I, I think I structure things pretty in a pretty common format. There will be verses and a chorus and maybe a bridge. So I think that that also is, makes things easy for for people to sing and to learn.
0: And I think there's a difference between, sometimes I do this in my poetry too, I want it to be simple, but not hmm. simplistic. Right? So yeah. it's like simple in the sense that it's, it's kind of straightforward, it's easy to pick up, it's simple the way it's laid out, but it's not dumbed down. It's not simplistic in that sense. You're not using cliches, you're mm-hmm.
1: not, you know, and in and in, and in, in another direction, slightly different direction is I like that Sam because I, 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 t- I try to shoot for simple, but also something in terms of the melody that we're not going to be sick of oh, in six months. Yeah, so to have staying power uh, for our congregational music, I think is really important to me. And we don't have to be singing it forever, but there are songs. Not many of them last, but there are songs that we sung we have sung in the ninth from like from the nineties we're still that are still going strong and that still in my mind hold up Mm -hmm. uh there's lots of them that don't and there are a there's a few of mine that we don't just don't do anymore because they didn't stick for whatever reason in my mind but uh (laughs) to be to have that to to have something a little bit timeless because you think about a melody like amazing grace or some of the old hymns that we can sing today and we just never get tired of them Mm -hmm. and in my mind that's kind of the goal when i'm looking for a worship song is it's not stuck in this one moment in this one place in this one time, but that it can be sung kind of forever and by anyone.
0: And there's nothing wrong with writing a song that's responding to a particular moment, right. but it's just that sense of it's not going to last probably. Yeah. Right. It's too contextual. It's too time bound. Mm-hmm. Do you have an example of like a song from the nineties, one that you're thinking of that you think it had that, <laughs> it has that staying power.
1: Well, we just did one a couple weeks ago, God of wonders. Mm-hmm. which is, has kind of this biblical truth about God's majesty in it. Uh, it has a pretty interesting chord progression. We have uh, an electric guitarist who really crushes a, like a little solo section right in the middle. Uh, yeah, there's something about that song that's just, it's just kind of a good praise song. Well, when we sang it, I don't know how you felt, Matt, but I hadn't sung that song in
0: probably two years. Hmm. And when we sang it, the first thing I thought was, this is a good song. Like, as we're singing it, I mean, I'm very familiar with it. I've sung it probably, I don't know, dozens yeah, of times, right. if not like a hundred times. But there was something really just substantial about the song. It works. <laughs> the song works. And now, 20 years later, it still felt fresh.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Maybe I can ask a question um, and ask you to... Uh, maybe address sort of a person listening or a person singing. So I'm never on stage leading any kind of music, but how do you, and I think this might relate to our conversation a little bit about the Psalms. How do you kind of as a leader or as a songwriter think about the issue of familiarity? So in some sense, you can have Sam's experience, God of Wonders. I haven't sung this in a couple of years. It's a great song. Uh, and you kind of have this moment of sort of refresh. Mm-hmm. You could equally have someone who, I've sung this dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Like, I know this song. And in fact, it kind of just washes over them. Right. This is kind of maybe a, a larger worship question, but also as you're writing lyrics, I imagine these
1: things are kind of occurring to you as well. Right. There is, I, and there are lots of things Lots of things in church like this, I think, but music is one of the, one, the one at the top maybe where, I I know that not everybody is gonna like every song. Not everybody's gonna connect with every song. Uh, there are people who hate that we do hymns. There are people who thank me every week that we do hymns. Uh, so I think the only way to kind of accomplish. Uh, what I do is to really keep things, like to diversify our portfolio, yeah. right? And so we have to just kind of keep things moving. Uh, we introduce, when I introduce new songs, I want to do so very carefully, very thoughtfully, not hit people over the head too much with it initially, but, give, um, but still give them time to learn it. Um, and they may not like it. And that's okay. Uh, hopefully, like they connect with more music that then they don't connect with, and mm-hmm. then you have, I think, a, an okay ratio. But uh, I do want to do, like talking just kind of generally about yeah. how, wh- how we do worship is I want there to be enough uh, variety that people, uh, kind of the multi-generational congregation that we have, connect with everything. And I'm, an, I'm a young gish person, but I grew up singing hymns and I will not stop you can't make <laughs> me stop.
0: <laughs> well, I think there's something about, um, and this is a little bit of Granite Springs kind of mojo a little bit, mm-hmm. but we are all about kind of finding the best parts of Christianity, the expression of Christianity in different traditions. And then really in the best sense of the word, borrowing those things mm. and incorporating them, in, like learning from different traditions, taking the best, putting them in, experimenting with them, finding our own way to do them. And it seems like with worship songs, you know, we wanna take the best of worship songs out there. And I think the key is then we put it into our rotation.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: God of Wonders is in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great song. We want to use
1: it. Mm-hmm.
0: But we're not going to do it every week. In fact, we're not going to do it probably every month. It's, no. It's older. Yep. But it's a good song, so we want to use it.
1: Right. And we want to use it at an appropriate place in the, in the service, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we think thoughtfully about where it fits and when it fits. And yeah, it might be six, eight, 12 weeks before we sing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we try, to keep, uh, try to keep a healthy diet of, uh, lots, of lots of music. Um, it's surprising how many, like, we I don't know, a couple hundred songs or whatever. And people just, like, if they show up, they'll learn them. And it's kind of amazing. Like, I still get amazed by that. Well, we haven't sung this, and it seems like we just sang it, but I'll look at the, you know, mm-hmm. it's been six months or whatever. But people will know it, and they'll sing it. So, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. This raises another interesting question
2: for me, is um, when I think about contemporary Christian worship music, particularly maybe evangelical Christian worship music, A lot of it is kind of by big names uh, and you learn it from a CD or an album Mm -hmm. that gets published. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that's the next sort of cycle of music. But what you're talking about, and I'm wondering too, is when you're writing music, you're writing it particularly thinking about not not even so much the church, but Granite Springs Church. Do you write thinking of like, okay, I kind of need this kind of... A song, or I'm interested in this kind of a song—a song that might be a communion song, or a song that might be sort of a song of response, or an opening worship. Does that right. also like that
1: specificity of writing affect your music? Yeah, I do absolutely. Um, I think that there's a lot of a lot of modern Christian uh, music, uh, like you said, just kind of washes through, and it and it's uh, it has its moment and it has its time, and then. What I'm trying to do is sometimes there's good stuff in there, but I find that not to be overly critical of my peers, but I think there is some stuff that just isn't super useful. I have this I have this kind of longstanding beef with the term praise team because I think that as a whole, our worship is a lot more than praise and our music contributes to all kinds of elements of a service, whether it's confession or lament or words of assurance or uh, uh, there's special, like grace-filled music that we would use for a communion, for example. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're 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 a music team that you know that helps lead worship, and uh, to find the right music for that kind of that's floating around in the atmosphere is really tricky to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have some modern songs that stick, but you have to kind of you have to kind of always be looking for the right one. And I found that search to be often discour- discouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's kind of what has prompted me to. Uh, write music for kind of for granite springs i think these songs can be i hope these songs can be used in in other places too right. um but this is where i find a lot of inspiration from the psalms because they tell a story and they have a very honest uh, conversation kind of with god and i think that that's useful in all kinds of places in our services maybe you could yeah. talk
0: some more about that aaron drawing on the psalms i mean we haven't talked a lot about You know, where are you drawing your influences from? Where are you drawing your resources and your lyrics? Because Mm -hmm. some people might sit around in their room and write a worship song based on how they're experiencing God Mm -hmm. right now in the moment or how they feel about God. So it's coming from this, they're drawing from kind of a personal experience, they're drawing from somewhere from their heart, you might say. But it sounds like your maybe starting point is a psalm.
1: It it is. It is. uh, We as a church have embraced the psalms in a way, it started maybe five or six years ago, uh, in a way that I had not ever experienced before uh, as a church-going kid writing awful songs. <laughs> <laughs> but when you start with the Psalms, you have not only this honesty of language that I was talking about, but you have already, it's already kind of a song. Huh. So in a way, a lot of the work has already been done by David or by the Psalm writer. So you have a great starting point for having, again, this honest conversation with God, which is, I think, what we're doing in worship. Uh, So I think the way the Psalms are structured really lends themselves to being sung.
0: I think that's really interesting, because I was thinking of worship songs in a creative act, in the sense that like, you're writing something out of nothing. You're just sitting Mm. there with a blank piece of paper trying Mm. to write a worship song. But the way you're talking about it is you're really doing... You're reinterpreting a song that's already been written by David or the Psalmist, and so you're just putting, like, you're putting a new twist on it or a new melody to it or yeah. a new music around it. But that that's a huge, like,
1: place to start. To- it's totally it's cheating. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> 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 but I will. What I try to do when I start with a psalm is I'll just I'll, I'll live with it for a while. I'll read it every day and I'll think about kind of. Uh, the path that it takes. A lot of times, the uh, David will start, or the psalmist will start some way, and then halfway or two thirds of the way, uh, the story turns or the language turns, and that's when that. So those are logical points. Also, it when you change kind of the melody of a song or how a song is structured, so that really lends itself to to uh, to songwriting. So I'll live with it for a while, and I want to. What I it's true, Sam. What I want to do is kind of turn. Just just slightly tilt it so that the truth of the psalm is still there, but people are seeing it or singing it in a new way. Mm. So, I actually have an example of this. So, my Psalm 46, which is, be still and know that I am God. Mm. In the psalm itself, those lines are in quotes, and it's just like, one, like it's one or two verses where it's, be still and know that I am God. Well, what I wanted to do is very unusual to have a psalm that's written kind of from God's perspective. Yeah. And I thought, well, what if we kind of did the whole psalm this way? So it starts out, I'm your refuge at my strength. Instead of God, you are my refuge and my mm-hmm. strength. It starts with God's kind of perspective right off the top. So it's all the whole psalm then turns into that way with the chorus being, be still and know that I am God. So...
0: I love that. That, yeah. that idea of tilting. Yeah. Yeah. You're just taking something that's already there and just kind of tilting it.
1: Yeah.
2: And I love too, like there's something, uh, suddenly that act becomes collaborative, right? So it's not just... Aaron's song, it's Aaron and David's song. And again, to maybe go back to some of the th- sort of theological underpinnings, like when we think about God's sort of creative acts or like even his act of creation, there's always something collaborative about that, right? When we have mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Spirit acting in tandem, mm-hmm. there's sort of this, this singular focus, but also this group effort. And so, even it's interesting to think about using the Psalms sort of already enters you into a space even before you start maybe workshopping it with people you trust, enters you into the space of, I'm kind of working with someone. I'm working
1: like together
2: on this project.
1: Right, right. And I do think of uh, the congregation also kind of mm. as I'm writing. So I think um, it's it's kind of fun to have like faces, like you can see faces of like literally of people in your congregation when you're writing. Mm. You think, how can they can they sing this? Can we work together? Can we sing this together? Does the congregation trust me? to lead them in a song that I wrote. You know, this is, I I think there is an element of trust between a worshiper and a leader too uh, in terms of of singing. And that's an interesting thing to think about, the worship service as a creative
0: expression, Hmm. that we're all bringing something to the sandbox and then together we're all kind of making something that didn't really exist before. I mean, Aaron's bringing a creative song, someone's bringing a a sermon, someone's bringing a prayer, someone's mm-hmm. bringing a testimony, whatever it may be. But then the people who actually come, not just the worship leaders, they, in how they respond and how they receive it and how they say things, end up creating the song again. Mm. Yeah. Which is really interesting. It's yeah. not just this static, flat thing, but it's like, let's get together this morning and let's, let's creatively engage in yeah. worship, let's let's have this experience together, right? Which is really interesting. Right. So not only do we participate in worship, which I think is a key theological word, we yeah. participate, but we're, but it's also a creative act where there's lots of people participating to create something that didn't exist. That's cool. An Sam. hour before the worship service. That's
1: really cool. And not only will that creation sh- and everyone will be totally unique, right? I mean, even we have a mm-hmm. two two services every morning, but even those two will be just totally different. Uh, yeah, depending works. on who's there and who's not there, and I mean, it's almost an infinite combination yeah. of things that can be created. Yeah,
0: there's, I mean, there's a tangible feeling. I mean, we have two worship yeah. services, like Aaron right. just mentioned, so you can. There's a feeling. There's a different creative expression of what happened together, mm-hmm. depending on who shows up. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: Can we also just address, because we here at Granite Springs, despite maybe how how Aaron might scoff and say it's not true, we're really gifted to have a worship leader who can write songs the way he does and can use the psalms and put together music. That's a real blessing for us as a church. But there's lots of churches who show up on a Sunday morning and they press play on a YouTube video for their worship. So as we're talking about creativity and thinking about songwriting and all these things. For those churches who maybe don't have the same sort of natural, I'm going to use the, the word natural talent or natural drive to create, how can they incorporate creativity as they think about what they do as a church, what they do in worship, maybe some of these elements? What do you guys think?
0: I have a couple ideas. One is I think every people are naturally creative. So, when you gather, the congregation gathers together, there is creativity there. Now, for me, it's like the real, the real test is, is there a culture at your church that encourages and resources creativity? Because there's lots of church cultures that actually suppress innovation and creativity. Now, one way that churches can be more encouraging of people to be creative is have a budget line, $2,000 every year towards creative ideas. And tell people, hey, there's money available. If you have a creative idea, let's see if we can collaborate somehow. And maybe the church can even resource the idea. So you just kind of create space. I know, I know there's, there's been space created for Aaron to write. right? So par- that's part of his job description is to be creative and to write songs. That's not true of all churches. Some churches maybe wouldn't include that space and that time because right. they would see that as a waste or they don't value that or it's all about simply getting things done and doing things how we've always done them. Yeah. Mm. So there's lots of ways to kind of encourage it.
1: Yeah, that's great. I I think also that uh, we, I think you mentioned a kind of a crass example of hitting YouTube, like play on a YouTube video, but I do think there is, I think we have to not be afraid to kind of borrow from each other Mm. too. Like if we find the right thing, if we find something that another church is doing that we think can work, I think there is, I think we can kind of use other people's creativity and, you know, maybe that could spur some in-house creativity because as important as it is to make space for your own creative people, uh, it's also can be tricky just on an administrative level, not to just allow everybody to do anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean that you have to kind of carefully curate how you want stuff, uh, how you want your services to be and how you want your in-house creativity to be. And that comes down to leadership and
0: kind of creating some structures around that. But I also think like there's a church that I know up in Washington I don't know if they're writing a lot of worship songs, but they, I know that they do some very creative video stuff. I mean, they have at least they did have one person there who was great at making these like little videos. They were very sharp, really professional. We don't really have someone like that at Granite Springs, at yeah. least currently. So we don't do a lot of like video testimonies or right. video storytelling, but that church could. Right.
1: What if we did? Do you think we would? Possibly. Yeah.
0: I think there could be a use for it. We could so, find a way for it to...
1: So, in that way, someone with the right creative talent could kind of help shape and and drive her, and change uh, the way we do worship.
0: Yep. So, we're not saying that, you know, every church has different gifts. So... Yeah. But the creativity, I think, is always there. <coughs> How it gets expressed through mm-hmm. what mediums mm-hmm. will probably be different.
1: Yeah. So, maybe look for poets and artists and people in your congregation. Yeah.
0: Well there's ways I like Matt I know that you write a lot of our prayers mm-hmm. in our worship service. Now you don't have to do that. You could there's lots of resources that have prayers already written. Right? <laughs> right. But why are you doing, doing
2: all this extra work? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what they are.
0: What, what's the website? <laughs> There's this thing called the internet, and you can type in anything, and it just pops yeah. up. But anyway, so that's a good place to start. If you say, hey, maybe we don't have painters, maybe we don't have you know people writing songs. One place that you could start is simply taking pieces of your worship service that you already do, like a confession or an intercession prayer, mm-hmm. And put it in your own. Form a team of people who love to write, yeah. and start writing some of those yourself. Or, like Aaron's talking about, take what has already been written mm-hmm. and then reinterpret it, yep. kind of tilt it.
1: Yep. Yeah, use yeah use your use your resources. I think that's a great idea in terms of people find them, and I think people again have this drive to create. And if you can find the right people in the right space for them, just, you know, you could end up with some beautiful stuff. And we'll praise Him Seated with princes The least of us are Seated together In glory restored We will praise
0: So this is a segment called, I like it.
2: I like it. I have here in my hand, which you can't see, a book uh, of poems, actually, by Malcolm Guite, And the book is called Sounding the Seasons. And my wife, Rachel, got this for me for Christmas. And Malcolm Geit is uh, a poet. He lives in Cambridge, I believe. He's a chaplain there is just an incredible um, poet and has written sonnets that go kind of throughout the Christian calendar. So uh, I wondered actually if you guys would permit me to just read one. Is that allowed? Nope. Okay. Well, here we go. I'm going to do it anyway. No. So for for an example, so they're all sonnets. So they're relatively short. And this is one that he wrote for Christmas Tide, actually. And uh, it's called Refugee. So I'll read this one. We think of him as safe beneath the steeple, or cozy in a crib beside the font. But he is with a million displaced people on the long road of weariness and want. For even as we sing our final carol, his family is up and on that road, fleeing the wrath of someone else's quarrel, glancing behind and shouldering their load. Whilst Herod rages still from his dark tower, Christ clings to Mary, fingers tightly curled, the lambs are slaughtered by the men of power and death squads spread their curse across the world. But every Herod dies and comes alone to stand before the lamb upon the throne. I'm going to get that book. Malcolm Gaite, sounding the seasons. I like it.
0: Okay. Well, I have a like it. I have, a, I, there's something that I like and I'd like to tell you about it right now. And it's a little dark. It's like way darker than Matt's was. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed to say that I like this. But it's true. I listened to this podcast. I found it, I don't know, a few months ago. It's called Stranglers. It's Strangler? <laughs> it's called Stranglers. I've heard about this. Have you heard about this? Yeah. It's, it's all about it's a 10 part, 12 part podcast series all about the Boston Strangler who committed a series of 13 murders back in like the 60s. Oh, wow. And it's really well done and it's dark and it's really interesting. And I'm totally hooked on it. What do you like about it? It's just great storytelling. It's just... Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something about murders (laughs) that (laughs) intrigues people. I mean, the fact that it's so far removed, I mean, it's now, what, 50 years old or something like that. I mean, that creates a little bit of safety. It's harder to talk about, you know, things that have happened recently. So it has this kind of storytelling element to it. And there's just a lot of kind of twists and turns to the Boston Strangler. In fact, one of them being... That there wasn't just one Boston Strangler. In fact, it's Bos- the Boston Stranglers. Go look it up. Podcast Stranglers.
1: Okay, I like, in very small doses and for very short amounts of time, snow. Hmm. And There's uh, the Sierra Nevada have had these epic thorn uh, storms. I was going to say thunderstorms, but there's thorns. blizzards, <laughs> epic thorns, epic thorns on the mountains. <laughs> So, there's just feet and feet and feet of snow up there. So, over the weekend, we have um, family friends who have a place up there, and we stayed for a couple nights, and oh, man, the snow, just so much snow. And when it constantly is snowing, what you need to do is to literally get in the door is to kind of keep, you have to kind of keep shoveling, or you're just going to be stuck. Like, you just... Can't like the, the services. The plow services will come and do the driveway and kind of keep that clear. Uh, but if you don't keep on shoveling, you are stuck. So I like not only snow, but I actually liked shoveling the snow. Oh. So I was helping in that capacity there, and we had to like shovel a path to the wood pile to keep the stove, keep the wood stove going. So you know, just just getting in there and sweating, and your back is a little sore the next day, and you're having to throw literally. I had to throw the snow like 10 feet high, like what? over this huge pile. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This was higher than the the, the sliding door in the back patio. <laughs> oh so, God. I was right. having a blast, That's surprisingly, shoveling. shoveling the snow, uh, shoveling the car off. Like, you know, there's maybe eight inches of snow on the car when we left. I had to like shovel that off. It was great. It felt good. To kind of work in the snow and get it cleared off it's very satisfying also when you yeah. like clear a path in the snow and you see the ground where there wasn't ground before and then after three days i was ready to go home
0: gonna- <laughs> <laughs> the key the key part of that is
2: in small doses
1: in small doses yeah
2: for short amounts
1: of time <laughs> i'm not sure about living up there all the time but it's pretty fun to go think play. about your back though it'd be totally ripped oh man my abs my <laughs> arms would be like <laughs> waving the plow off no i got this one <laughs> all right well thanks for one. joining us
0: everyone this has been a curious church podcast i'm sam
2: i'm aaron i'm matt and you can find us at grandsprings.org/curiouschurch. slash curious church we're in itunes we're in the google play
1: store nice oh, play now. now cool yeah and we're on facebook at Facebook.com slash Curious Church. And message those beefs, maybe. Message them some beefs, some yeah. I like it's. Please do. Yeah. Yeah, let me know if you like stranglers. You could get a shout out. <laughs> Aaron, where can people find your music? Uh, you can find it at haveaseatmusic.com, or you can go to my name, which is Aaron Anton. Antone is antoo uh, com, and I'll be posting some more psalms up there with mm. uh, a link maybe also to some... Uh, pdfs of chord charts if you're interested in doing them in your own setting uh that would be great great love it all right see you
0: next time thanks for being curious with us